Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 3. Hello, and welcome to the Breakthrough REI Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We put this show together to inspire you and help you live the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me is Sandy McKay, looking sharp and doing well, hopefully. What's up, Sandy? Oh, not too much, Rob. I'm feeling awesome. I'm really excited about this one. Really awesome call we've got going here, and really pumped to have Aaron Moore on the show today. And yeah, it's going to be really cool. Uh, before we get into that, I wanted to remind everyone to go check out BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca and we've got a couple of free, free reports up there for you, um, really going to help you become a better investor and tons and tons of great knowledge on real estate on that website, our past interviews and shows and you can get them all at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. So go there and check those out. And at, uh, at this point, we're a couple of shows deep. Uh, so if you're joining us for the first time, just uh, be sure to go back and check out the other episodes as well on iTunes or, like Sandy just said, at BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca uh, and just click the subscribe button and all the new episodes will be available to you as we release them. And I actually believe that uh, you could still be the first one to leave an actual review of the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so if you like it, or even if you don't, just let us know, and we would really love to get your feedback. Definitely. And check back in every, well, right now at the start at least, we're doing them every 15th of the month. I know we didn't do those the first couple episodes were not quite on the 15th, but going forward, they're going to be every month on the 15th, and we're going to... Uh, probably have a new speaker every single month and talk about new strategies and and where we are right now in the real estate investment world in Canada. So uh, keep an eye out for new episodes. They're going to come every month. And hey, how about that new uh, intro music too? That was pretty cool, this one, eh, Rob? Oh, that was awesome, yeah. I, I should mention that my cousin made that music for me, uh, Jeff Tetlock. I actually haven't even asked him if I can use it yet, but I'm sure he won't mind. So, oh, wow. yeah. That, <laughs> no, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we uh, we thought we'd put together something new and unique for the show. So, so uh, first time testing out the new music. Excited to have that. And really, really excited, like I said, to have Aaron Moore on here. And he's going to explain some really cool stuff with us uh, here tonight on the show. He is going to talk a lot about uh, a lot of different things. And he's done a lot of cool stuff in the real estate investing world. Uh, specifically, he's going to tell you how to find and buy private real estate deals at discounted prices right here in Canada. And I'm talking about super discounted prices. He's going to talk about his unique strategy for putting together awesome rent-to-own deals and a really killer strategy that he talks about that I don't hear many people using. So a really, really cool thing there. And he's also going to tell you how to stick with it and succeed when you keep hearing the word no, which is something I know we all can probably relate to. And certainly in real estate investing, it's a big part of it. So uh, stay on the line here. Here comes our interview with Aaron Moore.
Hello, Aaron. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> it's great to have you here. And Sandy, I think you're there too. Are you there? Definitely right here. Yeah, it's uh, really great to have you on, Aaron. For everyone out there who is not familiar with Aaron Moore, he is a full-time real estate investor based out of the greater Toronto area. Uh, he's an expert in finding real estate or private real estate deals that can be turned into incredible investment opportunities. And Aaron likes to buy a lot of ugly houses and turn them into the nicest or at least one of the nicer houses on the streets, kind of like they do it on TV. Um, just, of course, without all the good old-fashioned drama that they like to do on TV. Aaron is so good at finding these deals that he simply can't keep them all to himself. So he also utilizes a strategy known as wholesaling real estate, which is a great little strategy for making quick money and also helping other investors find and make great real estate purchases. Aaron has won multiple awards, including the Ontario Renovator of the Year in 2011, and that's from uh, the Real Estate Investors Network, or otherwise known as RAIN. And he was a top 10 player in 2011 and 2012 with RAIN. He is a silver pin recipient and also recently was awarded a gold pin uh, from RAIN as well. And the other cool thing about Aaron that I got to mention here is that he, or his wife, is uh, Christina Catanamore, and she is a real estate agent with Remax. And uh, the reason I mention that is because they form a really a cool, little unique power team of really awesome investment, real estate investment uh, deal finders. And I think that's a really cool thing too. So uh, is there anything I missed there, Aaron? Does that sum you up uh, pretty oh. good? That sounds great. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you again for being here on the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And we know you're busy, so we're going to jump right in. Does that sound all right? Great. Okay. Um, well, like uh, like Sandy mentioned there, we know you deal with a lot of uh, different strategies, but tonight we're going to focus on wholesaling for the most part. We'll talk about some of the other stuff uh, later on. But uh, first of all, we just wanted to know, how did you get started in wholesaling? Well, it was years ago. I I did have a couple rental properties. And it took me a few years of having these rental properties to see how well I did with them. So, you know, I think probably a lot of us on the call know about investment real estate. But the mortgages were paid down. The, the value had risen quite a lot. And my monthly expenses were being paid by rent. And I said to myself, I got to do more of this because it's working. <laughs> it's making me money. So at that point, I started, you know, really learning about real estate and, and trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do next with real estate? So I started books, talking with people, going to local real estate investment groups. And I, I started hearing people talking about, you know, concepts like wholesaling, uh, but you know, advertising to attract motivated sellers, you know, these, so buying privately and, you know, this talk of pre-foreclosures. And so someone also told me that wholesaling was a great way to really get your feet wet in real estate and to learn 
multiple strategies. And w- once you learn the multiple strategies, maybe you'll you'll see what interests you or what's the best fit for you in your life. So really, that that's what I did. That that's how I got started. Uh, I just uh, I learned learned enough to get started. I started doing, and I started having success. So, Aaron, can you just briefly explain to what uh, what exactly wholesaling is? Sure. Pretty much, it starts with getting an accepted agreement of purchase and sale. So, I'm sure many of many of the people listening here have bought a house at some point in their lives. So, think back to that point when you've you've got an accepted agreement. So, you signed off on it. The seller signed off on it. The deal, the deal is accepted. That's that's our terminology. So at that point, if you know someone who, who wants to pay more for the house than you just paid for it, so you've got it under contract for let's say hundred thousand dollars, someone else is willing to buy it for hundred five thousand, then you can choose: Do you want to buy the house for hundred thousand, or do you want to take five thousand from this other buyer? And sign the contract over to them. Take your five thousand dollar fee, and and that's 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 that. Uh, this other buyer closes on the property. So basically, wholesaling is you get an accepted agreement to buy a house. You find someone who wants to pay a higher price, and you take a fee to sign the contract over to this other buyer. And that buyer closes on the property, and we could, you know. In the legal world, we call that assigning a contract. Anything else you guys want me to touch on? Well, that I mean, right away, I, I'm sure you probably just blew a few people's minds there. Just, just explaining that because even some investors or you know people that have been in real estate for a while, I find don't even know what that's all about, and they've never even heard of that. So it's I think uh, I think it's a really cool concept and. I think a lot of people um, maybe hear that for the first time and don't think that that it's possible, and they maybe uh, think it's something not doable here in Canada. Can you kind of just touch on that, like how uh, it's possible? I mean, we've all sure. done it. We've all yeah. done it here, but it's. It, I think it's it's such a cool concept, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, pretty. People don't get it. Yeah, it's actually it's actually done quite a bit, and you know. A way my lawyer put it to me is any contract is assignable unless it says it's not assignable. So, you know, I'm not just talking real estate. I'm talking any contract. This is, this is you know, this is assignment is a legal thing. So you can look at the contract, you know, probably the contract for your, your cell phone uh, between you and the uh, Rogers or Bell or whoever the company is. You know, that contract probably has a clause talking about Assignment, you know, it's probably saying it's not assignable. You know, if you look at a contract with a renovation company, they might say this contract is assignable with written agreement from both parties. You know, it it all depends. So you look at your contract, you figure out if it's assignable, but it happens all the time, and it's very common in in Toronto with with new condos. So uh, people buy these condos pre-construction so they don't own their individual condo yet they have an agreement to buy it from the builder so and this ha- this is where 
this is where most people, most lawyers are familiar with assignment. You know, you talk to any lawyer in, in Toronto and they'll be very familiar with assignments of brand new built condos because people who buy pre-construction, they can assign their contract to another buyer and this happens regularly, but they cannot because the building's not done yet. So they cannot sell their condo normally because, you know, they don't even have title to it yet. So they can assign this contract to someone else and take a large fee for doing so. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Aaron, could you also just tell the listeners how you would actually put one of these deals together? Like how does it, how does the process happen? Sure. So, you know, if, if I'm having a conversation with someone and it sounds like, uh, you know, they're, you know, flexible, you know, they have some flexibility on price. They're not looking for the, the highest price on the street, let's say. And, uh, you know, basically I'll do a bit of my internet research before I spend time going out to look at a property. So I'll get, I'll get an idea myself of, you know, is this, are they asking a high price? Are they asking a low price for the area? A very reasonable price. You know, I, of course I got to talk with the person to get an idea of the condition of the house, all these details. And I'll do a bit of internet research. Uh, and, and if it, if it looks like it's, you know, something that might fit my numbers and my uh, profit potential, then I'll, you know, book a time to see the property. Um, you know, if I like what I see, and I, I still think it can work based on my conversation with the with the sellers. I'll, I'll get them an offer pretty quickly in writing, and you know, and then it, it's up to them to get, sign off, okay the agreement, and get it accepted. Or what? What point do you want to you know dive into? Is there a is there a part of the process you want to look closer at? Well, I mean, I think we'll cover we'll cover more than that when with the rest of the questions here. But I mean, that was definitely what we were looking for there for that answer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, the next thing is just how do you find these properties? Because that, cause that's probably really what uh, what everyone really wants to know is how the heck do you come up with a property where someone wants to sell it to you for less sure. than fair market yeah. kind of value, like. Why the heck would anyone want to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it happens all the time. And, you know, I, I, I do get s some deals off right off MLS, you know, through, listed with realtors. But, uh, you know, the majority of them uh, are ones that I actively do marketing for. So the, the, the sellers are contacting me. But, you know, if, if, you, if you do, you know, it's, it's interesting. You can find, if you do some searches on MLS, look at history, you can find lots of flips done, uh, lots of good buys there. But, um, you know, the, I know the market's pretty competitive now, uh, so it's, it really all depends on timing and a lot of factors. But, but the majority of my deals, like I said, it's, it's from, you know, active marketing. So I'm looking for those, uh, you know, people who just want the, you know, a quick, quiet, easy sale. They, you know, these are people who may be um, embarrassed of the, state of the property that, you know, they, they'd be horrified of the idea of, of dozens of showings, uh, on their property at all hours of the day. They'd be horrified of that. And people just with maybe a very tight, uh, timeline who want to, you know, who, who don't 
think a realtor will be able to sell it fast enough and get them the price they're looking for. You know, and, and of course, they can avoid realtor fees and avoid holding costs if they if they do a quick sale. So, you know, to track these people, you know, one of my favorite methods is, you know, mail. So I, I mail out flyers and letters. You know, I think mail is a pretty obvious uh, way to attract home sellers because it goes, you know, right to the house. So it's in the mailbox. So if you, if you want to buy in a certain neighborhood, you, you mail letters to that neighborhood. And of course, and what do you, what do your letters say? Well, you know, it all depends, but it's typically, you know, my kind of standard letter would say something like, uh, you know, I'm looking to buy, looking to buy a house and, uh, you know, I'll buy it in any, any condition. I can give you the closing date of your choice and I might list a couple other benefits, you know, but it usually in, involves, you know, selling it as is in any condition and, you know, can do it fast or give you the closing date of your choice, things like that. So you do, do you do a handwritten letter or do you have it all typed up? Uh, or? Typically I like more personal handwritten style. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. seems to be the, uh, seems to be the winner because I know that that's uh, like everywhere where I've learned how to do this cutting that seemed to be what they recommend is a yeah. handwritten letter. So I've done it that way myself too. And it seems yeah. to work pretty well. And, and I, I don't always do that. Sometimes, you know, if I do a handwritten letter, it's coming from me, Aaron, Aaron Moore, you know, if it's, so it's but sometimes I'll, I'll do, you know, some typed up, but coming from, you know, my business, GTA house buyers. So it, uh, it all depends, but majority of them will be the, the more personal one. And uh, and I know you uh, I d- didn't hear you touch on it, but you also do a, quite a bit of uh, I guess you call it bandit signs or or stickers, I guess, around the GTA. Yeah. Um, sure. Can you just talk about how you do that sort of advertising too? Sure. So you know, basically, uh, you know, popular intersections or popular streets. You know, I get my outdoor signs on telephone poles or light poles or. Or the backs of a uh, um, street, like traffic signs. And you know, it's just I guess people are in their cars, waiting at traffic lights, or driving down the road, and it's just a you know good place to. It's kind of like little little billboards, right? <laughs> so it, it works well too. And if you've driven around this area, I'm sure you've seen one of them. You know, I got a call from uh, the city of Oshawa yesterday. The okay. guy, the guy. Um, I haven't put out signs in a long time, but the guy, he left me a message saying that he was interested in learning more, and then when I called him back, he grilled me a little bit, you know, just asked me what was up with the signs, Yeah. and then and then he tells me he's from the city, and I'd, I'd better stop putting them up, <clears throat> you know, or he was going to be uh, somehow charging me. Okay. Well, so. yeah, I guess if the if the city, some cities have sort of different bylaws, and most of them allow you to put them up on telephone poles, and uh, but it, it all depends on the city. So, some are. I thought it was pretty sneaky of him to be calling me and pretending to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah, he pulled a bait and switch on you. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. An interesting tactic. <laughs> I, I know I, I don't put any up in Whitby because Whitby told me they don't, they definitely don't like my signs. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. So, like, really, at, at the end of the day, it's it's pretty darn hard to find uh, these properties, isn't it? It's a lot it of, is, yeah. A lot of marketing. It's a lot of marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, how, like, how do you identify with someone if if someone calls you? How do you identify a motivated seller? How do you pick a motivated seller apart mm-hmm. from from uh, a bylaw officer? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you, you got to ask questions. You got to find out about the property and about what they're looking for. So you know, it's definitely asking questions and, and listening to the the answers. You know, if if someone's telling me, you know, I ask, I'll ask about the condition of the house if it needs some renovations or updates. And if they tell me no, you know, everything's perfect. They just finished updating it. I'm like, okay. And you know, if and then I find out they're they're not looking to sell anytime soon, then you know, there's probably it's probably not for me. And you know, if, if the house is in great condition, they they're in no rush to sell. Then I'm, I'm sure they can get a, a higher price through a realtor, no problem. And that's what I recommend to them. But then, you know, what what you're really the people you're looking for are, and, and this is what I advertise for is people who want either you know maybe a fast closing or a very specific closing. You know, maybe they've bought bought another house and they need a that specific closing date. And maybe there's there's a number of issues they have, like their house. Needs renovations. They're, you know, they're. Let's say the <laughs> they're having trouble doing the renovations because they're busy with work or they're just not good at renovations. They don't have the money to hire someone. You know, so there, there's all these issues. So, you know, if if you're asking, if you're getting in the conversation about the house and about what they're looking for, these issues come out fairly quickly. And if, if there's no issues, then there's there's not much you know I feel I can help them with because there's you know there's there's lots of houses to buy and there's lots of houses listed you know on on the internet on MLS so there, there's lots for me to choose from so if I'm doing a private sale it needs to be you know very it needs to definitely be better than what I can get any day of the week just you know looking on MLS. Right, and in that case, then you would recommend them to a great real estate agent that you know. I, I certainly could if they're interested, but you know, and certainly a lot of people, you know, they know a realtor. Or they, you know, of course, realtors do a lot of advertising as well, so they might have their neighborhood realtor, or whatever. But I, I can certainly re- recommend them to a great realtor. Yeah, and uh, totally, that's that sounds pretty good. And um, like a lot of people don't think that these kind of sellers are, are out there, people that need to sell fast and that. But, you know, it always amazes me how many of them actually are out there. Maybe they're not yep. totally, like, motivated quite enough, but they're, like, there's a lot of motivated people out there trying to get rid of their homes, among other things. But their houses is the big thing, and, and there's a lot of them out there. I'm always amazed how many of them are there. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, there, and there's more than we know. If you think about all the, you know the bank sale properties that are come up listed on MLS all the time. You know what uh, what happened? You know be, to those families to make them, you know, be, become a bank sale property. Like that. That means the people were went through the power of sale. It means they were, you know, a sheriff locked the doors, possibly evicted them if they haven't moved out in time. So, you know, the goal is to advertise and attract these people to call us before the the power of sale process happens to them. I was going to say, in in many ways, you really are helping these people out because, yeah. the, like, once it gets to that point, they're really, really 
you know, that it's 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 gone quite far, you know, and they're in a lot worse shape than they would be if if someone like if they knew about someone like you and they had uh, that option to unload when before it got to that Definitely. point. Yeah, because it's like the power of sale process. You know, the bank's going to charge uh, a lot of fees and expenses, and it's all going to go, you know, to the. It's basically it's added on the mortgage, so it's all going to at the expense of the seller. So it's in their best interest to to sell ASAP if they're about to go into power of sale. But the longer the longer they delay, the more the more charges there's going to be, and the the less equity they're going to have in their house. Yep, exactly, and that's the cool thing about uh, about this is that you you really are helping them in the end. Um, the, you're helping the people that you're going to work with. You're actually going to help them, and I think that's uh, that's the cool part about it too. And what people, uh, a lot of people out there, don't understand is is that you're actually helping someone in the end. It's not yeah. uh, some sort of scam or anything like that. Is it's your your first yeah. for the right person. You're really creating some value for them and helping them move along with their life. So yeah. that's what's great. Yeah. And I, I've been able to negotiate with with lenders to lower their fees and you know reduce the the interest and penalties that the, the sellers owe them. So you know I, I even did a short sale where the where the bank took took less than the the mortgage uh, principal, which is pretty rare, but it happened. <laughs> so wow, that's cool. Yeah, so, I haven't heard about that yeah. one. I haven't heard about a deal like that really in, uh, well, there's tons of them in the U.S., but yeah, um, around here I haven't heard about that. That's pretty interesting. Cool. And so if it's, never happened, pre- but. if it's going to power a sale, do you always try that? Do you team up with your lawyer and go see if you can uh, work at a deal with the bank? Well, it, it, uh, we, we often do, but it, it all depends on, you know, you got to look at the, the the mortgage balance. If they're behind on property taxes, this the condition of the house. Because if the house is in, it's usually it's it's usually when there's a multiple when there's multiple problems. So if, if they're behind on taxes, the house is a bit of a dump. Um, you know, especially if there's a a second mortgage. But even you know, the first and the second mortgage mortgages, the, they'll be willing to negotiate if there's multiple problems already. So it's you got to look at the the value of the house, the value, the balance of the mortgage, and, and the other other problems involved. But definitely, if if the you know there's a lot of renos needed, they're behind on property taxes. I definitely look at you know negotiating with the lenders. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never thought of doing that. Yeah. Now, Aaron, for. Uh for someone out there who's um, maybe wanting to start trying some of this, start marketing for some motivated sellers or trying to find some good deals, whether to wholesale them or just to buy them for themselves. Um, I mean, it sounds like a lot of work for sure. I know. um, And it is, but how many leads do you think it takes? Like how much marketing material do you need to put out there? How many leads do you need coming in before you actually can take advantage and make some money from Right, sort of marketing. Uh, of course, it depends on on your your marketing. Uh, depends on a few things. Like let's let's say if you're just looking for a, a buy and hold rental property, like something you know you, you might just want to buy it ten percent below market value. Uh, 
so it, you know that that's easier to find than say uh, something you can fix and flip that is you know essentially you're buying at 20 30 percent below market value but of course it, when there's a big reno you know there's a big question mark and variable at the reno expense so that's that's more and less for different people but I guess what I'm getting to is I, I can send out letters saying, you know, I'll buy your house for market price, and I'm going to get a lot more leads than if I say, I'm looking to buy houses, you know, any condition, I'm, you know, I, I'm looking to buy fast, but I, I'm not looking to pay the highest price. You know, you're going to get a lot different calls depending on the type of marketing you're doing, right? So, you know what, if you're doing marketing where you're we were looking to buy at a, a bigger discount by saying, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to buy, at, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to pay a high price, then you're probably, you know, maybe maybe one out of 10 leads turns into a deal. Like may, maybe one out of 20. But... And that's what, and that's what people need to understand too yeah. because a lot of people seem to think that, you know, because they stick a sign out in the ground that that all of the people that call them are going to be uh, are going to have something that they can work with, and that's just not the way it is. Yeah. You got to filter through um, a lot of calls, and it's a lot of work, especially when you start before you yep. really know exactly what you're looking for and and what how how to identify the person, maybe even a little bit quicker over the phone. I mean. A lot of people think that they're just going to stick out a sign and then the flood of calls is going to come yeah. in and they're going to start uh, finding these deals. So they need to. everyone needs to understand that a lot of work goes into this. Aaron's not just kicking back and, and, and <laughs> while, while the money rolls in. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and you also need to understand that you know, not every house is up for sale, right? Like. How many people on any given street are going to sell in the next two years? You know, it's a it's a minority. So people don't just all of a sudden decide to sell their house for no reason. Like, you know, I'm just saying houses don't turn over that quickly. So don't expect there to be massive amounts of motivated sellers in any given market. Okay, so we've talked about um, how how uh, how you find the motivated sellers and we've talked about how you um, contract the deals with them. So now we sort of wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about where you would find uh, your investors or buyers if you were to uh, want to wholesale the deal. Sure. So do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Like, Yeah. And I'd say a lot of my, um, let's say, my repeat investors. I, I've met a lot of them at local real estate investment groups. So these are people, you know, maybe they buy a, a couple of rental properties a year or they, they fix and sell a few properties a year. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of people I've met. You know, they're actually, so I've physically met them at a, a local group and then, you know, they I guess it's, it's nice to put a, a name to the face and meet in person, and then you end up doing a, quite a few deals over the years. Um, so, so that's probably been the, the number one source. But also, you know, once once you have a great deal, then then I, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll advertise it on say the classified websites. 
like Kijiji or Craigslist, and, and you'll meet more buyers that way as well. Um, so that that's another way. Like I think it goes in the two main ways. And okay, so you, I would say that the majority of the the ones that I've done too are just people that I've met at the real estate um, meetings too. Yeah. Yeah, because you build, of course you build rapport and stuff that way, and and that's if someone, you know, you can also build email lists and all that through whatever, however you want to do it. If you're giving away free stuff or, or things like that online, but nothing beats seeing someone face to face, building some rapport, and then like sending them an email with a great deal, like you said you would, kind of thing. Yep. Good way to yeah, do if it. You have, if you have something that's really a deal, you shouldn't be. It shouldn't be too hard to get rid of it. Yeah. So, the so wholesaling is sort of like a backup for you. You like to keep a lot of the deals yourself, um, and and you do something with them and keep them in your portfolio. Can you the ones that uh, the ones that you keep for yourself? What strategies do you use? Well, a lot of them I, I will buy, fix, and sell, because, you know, you can, it's, you know, there's quite a few that I, I'll keep as rentals, so I'll, you know, typically I'll renovate, then I'll refinance and rent them out, but there's there's a lot of properties that just, you know, they don't, they don't make a lot of sense as a, a rental property, they're too expensive, they're too big, the, the numbers just don't work very well unless you, you know, put a lot of money into it so you you'd have to keep a lot more money in the property to make it to make the numbers work and, and it's, it's really locking up a lot of money that you know I, I, I can buy uh, properties with better numbers so if the numbers work for a rental I'll, I'll try to keep them as rentals but if not I'll just fix and sell them uh, so those are the main strategies but I also do some rent-to-owns, and I, I, the sweet spot I like for rent-to-owns because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying properties first. Is typically when houses are they're livable, but they're dated, so they're not the most attracted house, attractive house, and they're usually houses I, I'd really be too embarrassed to rent out. Like I wouldn't want to offer them as rentals without doing renovations first. But I find it's if you offer someone the opportunity to put in a little sweat equity and they get to own the house. So I, I give them a good deal because I bought it at a good deal. Uh, then, you know, it works out for everyone. And these are serious people who, who, who are, you know, they're, they're more than just tenants and they're actually people who are going to buy out these houses. So that's another strategy I like. So is that something that's in your uh, contract with the tenant buyer or is that just what, what tends to happen? Uh, them fixing it up well it's it's not in the contract no like and it's no it's the, just, the houses are livable so there's nothing yeah. i'm not putting them in a house that you know has to have some work done otherwise you can't live there no it's just you know they might be you know the you know the kitchens are older the carpets might be stained you, you know it's just it's dated and not the prettiest but it's 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 livable there's nothing nothing wrong with it per se but it's a great opportunity for them to, to buy something and, you know, they can slowly renovate to their taste over time. 
And you're still doing ringtones right now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, still doing them. Yeah, that's good. But, um, I, I think it still works. I've never done one, but as far as I can tell, I know a lot of people that were in them a few years ago are kind of pulling out because the numbers aren't quite as good as what they were uh, back then, but it still sounds like a, a good, solid strategy. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's you, you'll typically get higher than a standard rent value. And, and even if the house is not the prettiest like I'm talking about because, you know, but a portion of the monthly payment goes towards building their down payment. So the numbers work great on it. And so do you find a lot of, I guess you probably find a lot of these deals, um, or I guess what I'm asking is, do you find a lot of tenants through your marketing, like you, uh, like all the marketing we talked about before? Are you finding tenants in that way as well? Just, or are you actually finding the property and then just finding the tenant later? Yeah, I'm typically, typically finding the property first and then the, the tenant afterwards. And to, to find tenants, uh, you know, the main place tenants are looking are these classified ad sites online. So, you know, I just advertise there. And have you ever had any uh, problems with uh, that going that road? I mean, there's always that debate, tenant first or property first and I mean both ways in my mind can work pretty well but have you ever had any problems there finding uh, good tenants for one of these properties? Um, no, no major problems. Like mm -hmm. I remember uh, you know one time it it took me you know between one month and two months to find a, a rent to own buyer for a house but it was okay because I, I made the contract conditional on me finding a rent to own buyer so it was all fine. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and that goes back yeah. to just yeah, your contracts are. Yeah. If you've got those in line, then. And then you're good. You know, but if I'm that that was because it was in a, a, a very small town that I wasn't too let's say comfortable with or familiar with, so that's why I did that. If it was somewhere I'm more familiar with, I, you know, there's other places I'm very confident. You know, based on the numbers, I I can find a rent owned buyer, or just a tenant even. Uh, so it all depends on my comfort level. Mm -hmm. um, do you have I know you do a lot of different deals so do you have a favorite well, maybe what's your favorite strategy first of all and then like do you have a favorite deal that kind of sticks out in your mind from your past at all well okay, my, my favorite strategy and this you know goes back a long time is just you know you, you buy rent so just the long term holds yeah. And like I like I said a long time ago, I bought a couple of rentals, and just to see, you know, once you own, it depends. Well, it depends on the, the area you own, and but you know, after a few years, you can get a tremendous amount of appreciation, and you know, the mortgage pay down, the the rent, you know, doesn't hurt either. <laughs> but but the the long term benefits, and you know, the the taxation on Long-term rentals are better, and of course, you know, no owner-occupied house, or you, don't, you pay no tax on your capital gains on your principal residence. So there's a a lot of a lot of benefits there in the long-term real estate. Um, so that that's seeing seeing that after a few years is what got me to do real estate full time. You no, know, but that that being said, you know, probably my favorite deal is when I. 
you know, I probably in hindsight should have kept as a rental, but I, I ended up reselling it. So, you know, it's, it's just a great way to make income is, you know, buying, fixing and selling a, a house. So, so you, you want to hear about one of my favorite all time deals? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you when it's, it's one of these too good to be true ones. Like perfect, perfect. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't come up every year. I wish it would, but this, this, you know, but it happened to me. This is the way it was, but and I, I wish I got these calls every month, <laughs> but, but, but I don't. And, and I don't think you will either, but it happens. And I, I'm still waiting for the day when someone's going to just give me a house, but okay. So, <laughs> Let, let me tell you about a, a great deal. And and this is this is the only time I've ever paid higher than asking price. <laughs> so I, I sent a bunch of bunch of letters to houses in Oshawa, you know, just saying my typical stuff. I'll buy in any condition. I'll do renovations. I'll close fast. That's that sort of that sort of letter. So I, I get a call and the, the seller starts telling me about the situation of him and his house. And so he inherited it. He, he couldn't keep it up. It, it needs a lot of rentals. It's, it's dirty. And he's, he's been sick. So, you know, he hasn't been able to keep it up and he's, he's telling me he just, he just wants to get out of there. So this guy's just, he's just talking and telling me all the terrible things about his house and I'm just listening. <laughs> and, and then he says to me, he says, I'll give it to you dirt cheap. <laughs> And in the back of my mind, I'm saying, okay, yeah, right, you know, let, let's hear the price. So I, I ask him how much, and he says 40000 <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. And I, I know the area. It's a, a condo townhouse. And my immediate response is, I can pay you more than that. <laughs> like, come on, 40000 <laughs> So anyways, next day I give him an offer. I, I say, it's, I, give it, I give him 60000 for it. I don't know why. I just, you know, because he was, maybe because he was sick and feeling ill. But I gave him over asking, you know, uh, I've learned my lesson. I won't do that again, though. I'll, I'll give people what they want, what they want to dump the house for. If they, if they want to dump the house, if they want to give it to me, I'll, I'll take it. But, um, yeah, bought it for 60 put in, I think, just over 25000 in rentals, sold it for one seventy, and you know, in and out in three months. So not too bad. Wow. Yeah. Not too bad at all. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot of opportunity in estate sales, people who get inherited houses, because I find often these people who inherit houses, they shouldn't be living in a house. Like they can't do the upkeep. They can't do the maintenance. These are people who should be living in a, an apartment building. You know, one person doesn't need to live in a three bedroom, two bath house, especially when and they inherit. So it's it's a recipe for disaster. I've bought a few houses from people in, in that scenario. You know, one person inherits a house when they shouldn't be living in a house. Um, so that's, you know, just a, a sort of a common story that creates motivated sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you say that deal that you found was, uh, was that off of, uh, how did you find that one again? What was your marketing? I, I, sent, I sent some letters out. Oh, okay, Mark Leonard's. Yeah. And uh, when you send out these letters, by the way, do you actually target uh, specific areas, or how do you how do you decide where you send them? Yeah, typically it'll be, you know, price point. I, often I like to target the areas that, you know, at the a lower price point, either you know places that I can use the properties, say rentals, 
or you know if, if I get a fixer up or I can you know buy fix and sell for profit but you know it's nice to have a backup strategy where these ones can be used as rentals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so okay and um, so I mean this is maybe a tough question because you ha- I know you do a few different strategies but um, what's the general criteria that you would use for uh, either buying a property or for like deciding, you know, this is this is a deal that I'm interested in, or or as opposed to, you know, this is just a lead to throw to a realtor. Well, the only criteria is you can is can I make some money here? <laughs> That's it. You know, whether it's you know if it's short term money or long term money. Now, if it's if we're talking a long term rental property, you know, I I need to compare it to how we easy can I find, you know, something similar on the market on any given month. So, um, you know, with the sh- short-term money, if we're talking about something to buy, fix, sell, you know, I'll, I'll punch the numbers into my spreadsheet and, you know, kind of, you look at the risk. If it's a, a big rental, then you want to make more money because, you know, more can go wrong. If it's a small rental, then you need less money because it's just not as complicated. Um, you know, I, those are some of the main things I, I think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make money. That's that. That's, that pretty much solves it, I guess. In the end, that's if yeah. you're making money, that's what it's all about. It is a business well, it after all. To too, like you've got like the best thing about this is if if there's a good deal. There's always a strategy that works uh, in each scenario. It sounds to me like you've really got the bases covered for, uh, you know, hey, if this kind of property comes along, this is what I do with it. If yep. that kind of property comes along, that's what I do with it. And uh, I, I intend on um, using a lot of this information because yep. I... Because, uh, yeah, there, yeah there's, there's lots of different strategies. There's, you know, there's, and there's other investors you know, who I all assign properties to who are looking for specific strategies. And so if I, if I find a property that meets their strategy, then I'll, you know, I'll have them in mind. So even if it's, if if I'm too busy or I'm not looking to to do a a certain strategy right now, I have someone I can pass that deal to. So it all works together. And you know, the rent to own thing, I never thought of that because all of the rent to own deals that I've heard of, they're always, well, I mean, I always was under the impression that you had to be offering you know, the, the really nice fixed up, fully renovated house to the people that you wanted to uh, do, do rent to own deals with. So I was surprised right. to hear the way that you do it. And I think that would work very well. I, yeah, it, it, just, like it gives people an opportunity, right? It, these yeah. are people who, who you know, wouldn't be able to buy a house otherwise and and I certainly you know I'm offering you know if the house isn't the prettiest then obviously I'm, I'm offering them a pretty good deal on it uh, I make it very competitive with market rents and I give them good buyout prices it also makes a lot of sense you know if it's a, a bit of a fixer upper then my the buyout price I give them is going to be less it's already less than what other similar houses have sold in the area so there's there's going to be no problem, you know, in a couple of years when they buy it out to appraise for the value I've I've set. You yeah, know, you know, maybe I just give too good of deals to the tenant buyers, but but it's 
it works well. Uh, so Aaron, what excites you about the future of your business or about real estate in general? I think, you know, just being, one of my goals is, is sort of be able to do more and, and, and do more, more easily. And, and what I find is, is the more types of deals, the more deals I do, the, the easier they do become. So, you know, a, a lot of what I'm trying to do is maybe systematize my business or get better team members in place, uh, you know, just so I can do more and, and have it take up either the same or a bit less of my time. Um, and, then, and at some point, I'm going to want to look at doing different types of deals, bigger deals. Like, I, you know, I can certainly see multifamily apartment buildings in the future. Maybe I'll get into some bigger rentals, like second stories, additions. You know, but you know, I, I don't need to do it all. I don't need to do it all right now. Uh, but it, there's a lot of opportunity for the future. You know, maybe I'll start some other businesses in the future. Who knows? The future's wide open, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna say that's the cool thing too is that uh, is that is that you were saying kind of just to to do something as long like you so a lot of people just don't even get started in it like you just got to do something really and then and then at least you're doing something and then you're gonna you're gonna grow from there you don't need to do it all at once you know that's right yeah I think a lot of people uh, need to sometimes get that in their head when they're starting out at least definitely well Aaron I know um. A while back, I somehow got my hands on your number, <laughs> and uh, and when I first started out, I remember I called you quite a few times, and I would ask you for advice, and you were always really gracious and helped me out, and I just want to say that I appreciate that, and so that leads me into this question here, which is uh, some more advice. <laughs> is there a piece of info or advice or a quote that has always stuck with you? And how has it helped you? Well, I, I, I don't think there's any one thing. There's probably many things. But, you know, definitely, you know, simple things in life like, you know, just do what you say. Keep your word. And I, I know it's, it's not easy. And I, I'm not perfect at it. But another thing is that try not to overpromise, which makes keeping your word easier. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just it helps in life when you do that. That's for sure. But um, you know, I think I think everyone needs to. If you want to achieve some level of success, you got to work. You got to be disciplined. You got to be organized. Like, and I do. I do remember this is just you know being organized. That that was a piece of you know just came to me right now. That was a piece of advice. Uh, I, I had a sales job back in school, and and I, I do remember the trainer saying that the number one, I guess, success factor, this was, this was her opinion, the number one success factor in, in sales, or you could say in business, is just being organized, and, which, which leads into you know, following up, just, which, which leads back to doing what you say. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. a, a lot of business and sales is you know, following up, um, where a lot of a lot of people in sales will let leads just die, or you know they, they you know you hear the expressions um, 
you know you need a few no's or don't don't take no for an answer but you need you need a few no's before you get to your yeses and it's you know business a business like like mine it's a vo- there's a certain volume to it like we talked about there's a, a numbers you know they call it a numbers game to the leads so there's a lot of work in there you got to be organized you got to keep track of all that you got to be on top of things you got to follow up and it's it's working its business so don't get confused. <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember who it was that uh, said this, but um, along the same lines as what you were saying about how you know you got to go through a few no's to get to a yes, and a lot of people will get the first couple no's and then they'll quit, right? Thinking, yep. oh, this can't be done or it's too hard. But uh, somebody put it to me this way, and they said, you know, when you first started out dating. You know, you're not going to take the first couple no's and then just say, oh, well, I guess that's it. Then I give up, you know, no, we all, all of us keep going until we get that. Yes. Right. So that's kind of the way you got to think of it that way, too. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say it, too, before, um, you know, the, the sales process doesn't even start until you get at least seven no's or five no's or something. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And another piece of it, I think we, we talked about building rapport with people is I, I usually, you know, if, if I say talk on the first touch with someone, if they want me to come to their house, I, I probably don't. I like, I, I like a couple contacts before I say go to someone's house to view the property. I find, you know, that's part of building rapport. Like, so I, I don't, I, I'm definitely not a pushy person. I do like to, you know, I'm not, I, I don't get a, a seller on the phone and, and then try to be at their house within a couple hours. I I try to, you know, just learn about the situation. I'll do my own internet research for a bit. I'll get back to you and then we'll book something. So a couple touches are good. And it builds, builds rapport. Well, Aaron, thank you, you know, very much for, coming on the show tonight, you know, really appreciate you. And like I said before, there, there was those, uh, there was quite a few times I remember calling you and just getting advice from you and you always really helped me out. So I just wanted to say thank you for that too. Glad I could help. So, um, where can people find out more about you? Well, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I guess, you know, I've got my website house deals, GTA, you know, if investors are looking, um, to get some wholesale deals, they can find my investors page on on house, it's house deals gta dot ca. Uh, so you can find some more info about me there. Um, but yeah, I guess that that's one way to do it, and you can contact me through that website as well. Okay. And, and the cool well, thing too, as I said at the start too, is that your wife is a realtor too. So you guys got a, a great little team there going. I mean, that's right. I mean, if yeah. anyone's looking for real estate deals out there, you cer- you guys certainly have it. Most of it covered, some private yeah. deals and some yeah. uh, on market deals. So. A lot of investors like working of a work with us because we're basically a team, like you said, because we've got a good handle on the the MLS deals. Where, where Christina's on top of that, and I've I've got the private deals coming in, so there's there's access to these wholesale off market deals. So yeah, we make, we make a good team for investors to work with. Yeah, I think I think everyone out there listening should go check you guys out and 
and uh, and call you guys and see what see what you can work on together. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Okay, Aaron. Thanks again. Uh, <clears throat> I guess we'll get talking to you soon. All right. Appreciate it, guys. It's been fun. Have a good night. All right. Good night.